0: Thank you so much, and welcome to uh, part six, our final part of this series, Talking Jesus, uh, designed to help ordinary, everyday Christians to share their faith. And uh, today, whereas a lot of messages would be sort of focused on one thing, as we bring this series into land, instead of just sort of serving up one main course, I want to offer you a tapas dinner tonight. uh, Tonight? It feels like you should have tapas in the evening. I would offer you a tapas. Do you even know what tapas is? It looks a little bit like this. You get little dishes of different tastes rather than one main dish. Does that sound okay? Yes. Oh, all right then. Uh, I put a lot of work into this tapas dinner, and there are three dishes I want to bring you today. Uh, One, the first dish is going to be a dish of inspiration, a vision for what happens when everyone is talking Jesus. The second dish, motivation. Why do we need to talk Jesus? And the third dish, some practical coaching. How can we talk Jesus? And through it all, the underlying emphasis is that we go on talking Jesus. That's the title of today's message Talking Jesus is not just a series that we then move on from. It is a lifetime's calling. When Jesus called the first disciples to follow him, he said, Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, if you've ever been fishing, you'll know that it's a challenge because it involves patience and perseverance. One of the main reasons why I am not into fishing, right? You have to have patience and perseverance. It doesn't just happen. You've got to wait and you've got to do the right things intentionally and wait and have patience. Well, in the same way with talking Jesus. I even heard someone was saying about a clip, a nature clip, where you can see a kingfisher, the kingfisher bird, which the name would suggest they're pretty good at fishing, right, if you're the kingfisher. But this particular clip shows a kingfisher striking into the water something like 26 times for a fish before finally on the 27th go, it gets the fish, right? Patience and perseverance. Go on talking Jesus. Go on praying. Go on speaking about Jesus. You may have heard of a a Bristol, uh, in the previous century, a Bristol Christian called George Muller. And George Muller was an inspirational character, a man of real prayer, raised incredible sums of money to build orphanages for those in need. And Part of his prayer life, he decided quite early on that he would pray for five of his friends to come to faith in Jesus, and he'd pray for them every day until they did. Well, after a few months, one of them came to faith. After 10 years of praying every day, two more of them came to faith, After 25 years of praying for them every day, the fourth one came to faith. And then finally, after 52 years at George Muller's own funeral, the final person came to faith. Go on praying. Go on talking Jesus. So, with that as the underlying emphasis, here are the three dishes I want to serve up. And they're based loosely on Acts chapter 8. We're going to look at who can talk Jesus, why must we talk Jesus, and how can we talk Jesus. First, then, Who can talk Jesus? And the obvious answer is everyone who is a follower of Jesus. This series is not just for some professionals. This is for the everyone ordinary Christian. And actually, when everyone starts talking about something, it's amazing how that sound can travel. Right now, in our land, even if you don't like football, (laughs) you will have heard about it, right? Because everyone's talking football, flying the flag, singing the song, announcing the results as they've come in. Even if you don't want to know about it, even if you're not into it, you will have heard about it. Now, I don't know about you, but I like that as a a statement of intent for talking Jesus. We want it to be the case that everyone in our region, in where we live, in our neighborhood, will hear about Jesus. We want to make it possible that no one should live on our patch, on our watch, in our moment of time, and not know the good news of Jesus. Amen? And that is possible when everyone is on it, talking Jesus, mobilizing everyone to do this. Now, there's a verse in Acts chapter 8 where the early Christians have been scattered out of Jerusalem under persecution. They've gone from the inside place. They're going out. And we read this in Acts 8 verse 4. Those who, let me read from the the passage in Acts 8 verse 4. Those who had been scattered shared the word wherever they went. Now, I love this verse. In fact, I would say this isn't just a verse. This is a vision for what can happen when everyone is on it. Notice how the message translation of the Bible puts it. Forced to leave home base, the followers of Jesus all became missionaries. Wherever they went, they gossiped the good news about Jesus. I love that final phrase. It reminds us, this isn't street preaching or stage preaching. No, no, these are ordinary, everyday Christians who, wherever they go, they're chatting, gossiping, talking Jesus. Now, when everyone does that, things can really change. I want you to notice, when it comes to this passage, who these people are. These early Christians scattering out of Jerusalem, they are not the church leaders. The apostles were the ones who actually stayed in Jerusalem no, this is the everyday ordinary Christian. These are not ordained leaders. These are ordinary Christians. And this Talking Jesus has been about equipping and empowering you guys, everyone, to be talking Jesus. In that sense, in, in fact, we could say it this way, the, the spotlight is not really on the stage for this series. The lights are being turned up on you, ordinary people, as if by magic. Look at that, the power of words. LAUGHTER The lights are on you. You are in the spotlight. It's over to you. This is what can happen when everyone is talking Jesus. And we've had some great stories being fed back through this series that this is happening, that you guys, we're all out there talking Jesus in our everyday worlds. I heard of one young adult who said that they were on a training course just the other week. And um, through this Talking Jesus series, they'd felt encouraged. They're on this training course, got into a conversation with one of the other uh, girls who was on the course, Started sharing about faith and perceptions of God and had a great opportunity to to explain that God is not their dictator but their loving father. Witness and talking Jesus. Another guy was telling me that in his office a few months back, someone had said to him, There's something different about you, one of his colleagues. And at the time, he didn't really feel like he knew what to say, so he didn't say anything. And then through this talking Jesus course, he's been more equipped and empowered. And so the other week it happened again. This lady, who is actually a Buddhist, um, but is noticing something different about this Christian, she said, There is something different about you. And this time he said, I, I knew what to say. I sprinkled a bit of salt on the conversation. I shared that it was my faith in Jesus that made the difference. And now the Buddhist wants to know more about peace through Jesus. They're going to have another conversation. Everyone talking Jesus. Out in our worlds and our workplaces, things can change. And notice back to the story in the book of Acts. Notice that these early Christians didn't just talk Jesus when it was easy. Talking Jesus is not a fair-weather sport. It is an all-weather calling. It's not a fair-weather sport. It's an all-weather calling. These early Christians were being persecuted. The reason they were fleeing from Jerusalem is that Stephen, one of the Christians, had been stoned to death, and they were running for their lives with their families. Now, if ever there was a time where you could have understood them saying, well, Now we'll just go quiet. Now we're facing challenges. Maybe we'll come back to talking Jesus later. But no, as they are scattered, as they're being persecuted, wherever they went, they were talking Jesus. Isn't that fantastic? And it reminds us that all over the world right now, some of our brothers and sisters in the faith are being persecuted, but they go on talking Jesus against the odds. In spite of the challenges, they are not going to quit on talking Jesus. Few years back, I was um, teaching in theological college, and I remember one of the students was, uh, for this particular course, was from Pakistan, from a devout Muslim family, and he'd come to uh, England as a student. He'd actually become a Christian whilst here, and he was shortly returning back. His student visa had finished. And so he was on his way back to Pakistan, and I know enough to know that it's a challenging set of circumstances for a converted Muslim to go back to Pakistan. So I offered to pray for him. We had a conversation, I said, can I pray for you? What would you like me to pray for? Now think about those circumstances. What would you ask for? I'll never forget his reply. He just looked at me and said, would you pray that God would help me tell my family about Jesus? I thought, wow, that was such a challenge to me, this comfortable Western Christianity that we can settle into and fall asleep in. And here's this young man saying, when I go back, I want help to tell my family about Jesus. Come on, Western church. We need to wake up and go on talking Jesus through all of the challenges of life. We will not stop sharing the good news. Amen. They're ordinary Christians. They're sharing it against the odds. And notice they're sharing the, the story of Jesus whilst away from home. They're thrown out of their familiar territories, and now they are, if you like, foreigners on the run. Now again, when away from home, you could have imagined them thinking, almost hiding behind the excuse of, well, this isn't our patch, this isn't our responsibility, other people can do this here. But no, no, they had a bigger vision than that. They understood that talking Jesus is our calling wherever and whenever. I love the um, quote attributed to John Wesley, the founder of early Methodism, and he um, was sometimes criticized for preaching outside of his own parish, and he famously replied, the world is my parish. And I love that vision for life, the world is my parish. Wherever I am, I am on duty for talking Jesus. There is no Sabbath rest from this. There is no specific patch that is yours and otherwise you're off duty. No, no, no. Wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I'm on duty talking Jesus. Some of you may be in the medical professions or in emergency services. And my understanding at least is that the Hippocratic Oath and the equivalent versions of it today uh, mean effectively that you pledge to never effectively, never be off duty on this one. If you pass an incident, someone in need, you are obliged if you are trained to pull over and give care, I want to encourage all of us to take that kind of mindset to talking Jesus. As we've been trained up, let's think of it that way. The world is our parish. We're never off duty. Wherever, whenever, we're going to take every opportunity to talk Jesus. Now, I'm not asking you to swear the Hippocratic Oath, but I have written a little Talking Jesus Oath. Here it is on the screen. I'll read it through. And then I want to invite you, if you feel, yeah, I'm up for this, I want to make this my, my pledge We can say it together. Wherever and whenever I will take every opportunity to talk Jesus. I am always on duty. The world is my parish. I take responsibility in Jesus' name. Would you like to join me in saying that together? Let's say the talking Jesus oath. Here we go. Wherever and whenever I will take every opportunity to talk Jesus. I'm always on duty. The world is my parish. I take responsibility in Jesus' name. Who can talk Jesus? Everyone, all the time. That's the vision in Acts chapter 8. But our second question, or the second dish in this tapas meal, is uh, why? Why must we talk Jesus? This is on the theme of motivation. Well, the truth is. Whilst medical emergency services may deal with life and death situations physically, talking Jesus has a life and death element to it spiritually. In this life and forever, people around us need Jesus. In this life, in this life a human being will not know true joy apart from Jesus. Maybe moments of happiness, but not true joy. So when we share Jesus with people, we are releasing the possibility of joy into their lives. Who wouldn't want to do that? And when you look in Acts chapter 8, you see that as these early Christians scattered and shared Jesus, they brought joy wherever they went. Philip, one of the early Christians, he goes down to some city in Samaria, and this was a pretty rough tough place. This was not a socially reputable place. This was a difficult environment, a tough estate, if you like, a tough environment. And Philip goes there, and we read this in Acts chapter 8 as the story progresses. We read in Acts chapter 8, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. So there was great joy in that city. Notice then, when the good news of Jesus comes into this community, what was a place of spiritual darkness and social struggle, suddenly there's an injection of great joy. And then in the next scene, on a different end of the spectrum, the same man, Philip, gets to sit next to, in the next scene, an elite Ethiopian. This is a totally different kind of person. He is if you like, the socially successful VIP. He's traveling home in his own private chariot. He is incredibly wealthy. He's actually the chancellor of the Exchequer for Ethiopia. And he is a linguist and an educated man. And Philip sits next to him, shares the good news of Jesus, and the same result. Chapter 8, verse 39, we simply read, The Ethiopian eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Here is another kind of person, and yet same result, Jesus brings great joy. So in this life, the kindest thing we can do to any human being is talk Jesus, share Jesus. He is great joy, whoever and wherever. But of course, talking Jesus is so important because it isn't just for this life. Jesus has soup, is good news for eternity, and we need to remember this. We need to remind ourselves, part of our motivation for talking Jesus is that this will be important forever. I was chatting to someone recently, actually a Christian, but they were struggling with the idea that we really needed to talk Jesus. As if questioning it, sort of saying, well, God loves everyone. God accepts everyone. So what's the urgency? And they quoted, understandably, um, John three sixteen: God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And I said to them, I do understand that. That's absolutely true. God loves everyone, the whole world. But if you finish that verse off, how does it go that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have eternal life? We need to affirm two truths God loves everyone, the whole world, and everyone needs Jesus for eternity. Without Jesus Christ, We will perish in our sins. We therefore need the rescuer, the saviour. There is an urgency. There is an eternal relevance to talking Jesus. It's not just a relative improvement in this life. It makes an absolute difference for eternity. Here's how 1 John puts it. 1 John 5 verse 12. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. You you couldn't put it more straightforward than that. The Bible's clear. For eternity, people need Jesus. And so we need to go on talking Jesus, part of God's great rescue mission, whatever the cost. Perhaps we could think of it this way. During this Football World Cup, have you noticed that it's actually another football team that never qualified for the World Cup, that have really captured the hearts and minds of the world? I'm talking, of course, of the Thai football team and their coach trapped in the caves, um, in Thailand, and the incredible rescue mission that has unfolded to save them. Has this gripped your heart as well? It's been an amazing story, isn't it? We've been praying for it and praying for this miraculous outcome that was achieved of getting these boys and their coach out. And I don't know if you noticed that there was this global sort of interest, this global concern, and no one ever questioned whether it was worth it. Did you notice this? People were, incredible cost was was spent. Expert divers flying in from around the world, whole infrastructure being set up in the cave. No one ever stepped back and did the economics and said, maybe these lives are not economically viable. It's too expensive, we won't bother. No, 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 no. This is a human life we're talking about. You can't put a price on that. The rescue mission, whatever the cost, it's worth everything to save human life, right? Even one of the ex-Navy SEAL divers gave his life during the operation. Sunan Gunan, as you can see here on the screen, he actually died in the rescue attempt. And I noted on the BBC website that his colleagues, uh, reflecting on this, while the mission was still ongoing, they said, we will not let the sacrifice of our friend go to waste. We will keep going. Until they are rescued. Now, praise God, they did, and it was miraculous and successful, and they're all out. But here's my point in the same way, talking Jesus is part of God's great rescue mission for priceless human beings. It is worth everything. In fact, it's worth the very life of God's own Son who sacrificed himself on the cross to bring hope to the world, and now he calls us. To be partners in his mission, we should say, like those Thai Navy SEAL divers, we will not let his sacrifice go to waste. Amen? We will go on talking Jesus that people may be rescued for all eternity. Why talk Jesus? For now and forever, it ultimately matters. Now let's get practical. Third and final dish in this tapas. How? How can we talk Jesus? Jesus. Let's get practical, bit of coaching here. So how do we actually do this? And I want to learn a little bit from, remember I mentioned Philip, who ended up sitting next to this elite Ethiopian and leading him to faith in Jesus. Let's learn three simple practical lessons from Philip in this story. And the first is look. Look for those God brings across our path. What I love about this story is that, unbeknownst to Philip at the time, this Ethiopian eunuch had actually been on an incredible spiritual journey. He was hungry for truth and meaning and understanding. He left Ethiopia, traveled all the way to Jerusalem and the temple on a sort of religious pilgrimage. He obviously hadn't found what he was looking for in religion, so he was on his way home reading the Bible, effectively, reading the prophet Isaiah. Here is a reminder that people are searching and seeking truth and meaning more than we ever realize. People out there are on a quest for meaning and purpose. And our God is out there with them more than we've ever realized. Our God is not just in here with us. He is out there in the world seeking and saving the lost. And so he lines up Philip to bring hope to this Ethiopian eunuch that God loves and sees and knows and Philip's path is brought by the Holy Spirit to cross over with this man that he might be saved. In Acts chapter 8 verse 29 we simply read then uh, Philip that the Holy Spirit told Philip go to that chariot and stay near it. Go to that chariot and stay near it. God is lining up his man to bring hope to this Uh, Ethiopian eunuch. And so we find here the principle of look for those that God is bringing across our path. When we go out from this place, we need to go out with our eyes wide open to see who is it that is seeking and searching that God is wanting to connect us up with. We go with a confidence that we're not trying to get God involved in something we're doing, He's getting us involved in something He's doing. Amen? This is God's mission. He is on it. He is out there, and we go looking for the people that He's got lined up for us. I, um, I remember, think about all this. I've got a really great friend called George and his wife, um, Rachel, and their family are good friends of ours, and the reason I'm friends with George is because Uh, Many years ago, well, long before I knew him, um, George and Rachel had their 10th wedding anniversary and they went to a pub for a meal and um, they had that kind of once in a decade conversation where after dinner they sort of began to talk about what is the meaning of life. It's like one of those deep and meaningfuls, we've been married 10 years, what is life all about? What are we doing with our lives? What's the purpose of life? So they have this conversation in the pub and the next day, George is walking through the village where we also lived And he sees a guy putting up a poster, and it's for an alpha course. And he's putting it up as George walks past. And the the alpha poster says, explore the meaning of life. And this stops George in his tracks. He realizes this is what we were just talking about the night before, like it was being put up for him. So he chats to the guy putting up the poster, goes on alpha, comes to faith in Jesus. And him and his wife, Rachel, have run loads of alpha courses since. And I know George because I was the guy putting up the poster when he walked past and started chatting to me. I would never have thought that the guy walking down the street the night before had been having a conversation about what's the meaning of life, right? I was just putting up a poster, but God's lining things up. We need to look with expectation who's God bringing across our path. And when we feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit, I want to urge you, follow that nudge. We want to encourage Spirit-led talking Jesus. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will nudge you to buy something for someone or to invite someone out for a coffee or to pop over and chat or to share your story. When you sense the nudge of the Holy Spirit, always follow it. God is on it and he's drawing us into it that other people may be reached. One of the uh, someone else in Peterborough was telling me that uh, the other evening they were standing in their kitchen one evening in their slippers. It was the evening, uh, and um, standing in their slippers, and they just felt the Holy Spirit nudge them to say, "Go and talk to your neighbour. Go, go next door and talk to your neighbor. And so she went out. She obeyed the Holy Spirit. She went out and just uh, knocked on the door. And as it turned out, it wasn't just her neighbour there, but her neighbor's daughter was there. They'd not met before, and just so happened she was round. And the neighbor then said, oh, you should tell this lady about what you were telling me. And basically, she opened up to this Christian from the church that she'd uh, been experiencing, they'd been experiencing a sort of dark presence in their home and said, is there anything you can do? And so she prayed in the name of Jesus that that dark presence would leave, and indeed it has done. Following the nudge of the Holy Spirit brought her into a place of opportunity to see Jesus change lives. We need to follow that nudge, look for those God is bringing across our path. And then secondly, listen. Listen to where people are coming from. When Philip gets alongside this Ethiopian, what strikes me is he doesn't launch straight into a sermon and and just assume he knows what this man needs to hear. No, no, no. His first approach is actually an open question. The man is reading from Isaiah, the prophet. So Philip just comes alongside and says, Acts 8, 30, do you understand what you're reading? Isn't that a gentle way in, right? Not a sermon, I know what you need to hear, but I need to hear from you first, I need to listen. So do you understand what you're reading? An open question. This Talking Jesus series has been encouraging us to listen in order that we might understand where are people at and how can we join the dots From where they're at to the good news of Jesus Christ. To do that, we've got to be those who listen, who get alongside, who invest time in friendships to understand where people are at and how we can help them move forwards. Listening is so important to talking Jesus. Reason being, human beings that we're seeking to share good news with, every human being is unique. They're unique and their life is unique. So we've got to start from where they're at, and you find that out by asking questions and listening. A human being is not a machine that just needs a pre-programmed speech. A human being is a conversation. A human being is more like a poem than a machine, right? Talking Jesus is more of an art than a science. We need to have that wisdom through the Holy Spirit. What's the best way to help this person see that Jesus is good news for their life? The other week, uh, last week actually, I was at a wedding, we were at a wedding, and um, on our table in the reception there was a couple there who, who were not uh, Christians and, and their daughter, I assumed it was their daughter, and we got chatting, and it turned out that this wasn't their daughter actually, this, this girl was in foster care with them, and she ran off to play with our kids, so we then got into a more sort of deeper conversation And it turned out that as we asked questions and just chatted together, they are planning to adopt this girl so she'll no longer be fostered with them, but adopted permanently into their family. And I was struck by this. I asked them, you know, why? what's motivating you to do that? You'll no longer get paid for looking after her. She'll be full-time, full-on your responsibility. What's the motivation? And they just began to share. I actually genuinely found it really moving. They began to share and basically said, we want this girl to become our daughter. We want her to know that we love her. And they actually use this phrase, we love her unconditionally. And they said, and we want her to know that she's on a solid, secure foundation. We're always going to be there for her because she's our girl. I have to be honest, I found it really moving. And I said this to them. I said, I think, this is, I think what you're doing is a beautiful thing. And I said, and one of the reasons I think that is because it's like you've given me a glimpse of what God's love is like. Because God, when we put our faith in Jesus, doesn't just have us almost as foster kids. He adopts us into his family. And I said there's a verse in the Bible and it says that God gives us the spirit of adoption so that we can call him our father. And the conversation went on from there. They asked some more questions about it. The point being, we got a great opportunity to talk Jesus, but it was all entirely integrated with their story, what was going on in their world. You get there by just listening and enjoying the conversation and flowing it through to Jesus. Look, listen, and then thirdly, lead. Lead people to Jesus. We read in verse 35, Uh, of the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Philip then explained the good news of Jesus. He started where the man was at, reading this particular passage, and from there he, he explained the message of Jesus. I wonder if you now feel able to do this, not just to invite people here to hear about Jesus, but out there to tell people the message about Jesus. That's what we've been encouraging through this series. And I understand many of us will sort of be thinking, oh, I just, I don't know if I could do that. I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know how to say it. And I do understand all of those reasons, especially if you're quite new to faith yourself. But can I encourage you, let's not stay there. It's okay to feel that, but let's not just stay there. Let's move on. Let's learn. If you think, if you're responsible, I wouldn't know what to say, well, let's find out what to say. Let's think through how we can share our story, how we can share God's story. Let's learn together and grow so that we are ready for every opportunity to talk Jesus. 1 Peter puts it this way, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have preparation get ready to talk jesus so that when moments like this arise you can lead someone to jesus we can learn together how to help people who've been part of religion in the past encounter a real relationship with jesus we can help people who would say i'm not religious we can help them find their way to jesus i was chatting to a guy in the pub the other day and he said that classic line as we got talking about faith he said oh mate i'm not religious You've probably had that. And my response normally, and I said this to him, he said, neither am I. (laughs) Neither am I. But Jesus has completely changed my life. And then I said, what do you make of Jesus? You know, that kind of question cuts through religion and says, let's talk Jesus. Let's get back on the topic of conversation that this is really all about. What do you make of him? Together we can learn. And eventually, in those kinds of conversations, you may get that wonderful moment where the person's ready to put their trust in Jesus for themselves. I often ask a question towards the end of a conversation. I'll often say something like, is anything stopping you putting your faith in Jesus now? And I like to ask it that way because it offers them a way out. If there is something stopping them, they can say it, and that's absolutely fine and just leave it there. But I also like to ask it because sometimes I find people will say, well, no, there isn't really. At which point it's a great moment to say, well, shall we pray together? Would you like to put your faith in Jesus right here and now? And I have to say, those are golden moments when you get the privilege of helping someone over the line and experiencing the love of God for the first time. It's such a privilege and a joy to do this. And the closer you are to the person, the greater the sense of privilege, right? As I say that, I think of my friend uh, Steve. We were at university together. Just recently, we went climbing in Scotland together, actually. I think you can see him here. So we're still really good friends. And um, when we were at university, Steve was not a Christian. He was living a completely different lifestyle, but we were friends. We played rugby together. We uh, went mountain climbing together, and I witnessed that. I shared my faith with him. remember reading a bit of the Bible with him and asking what he thought of it and chatting away as you do on the journey. For three years, I didn't do a lot more than witness when I could and pray for Steve as many days as I remembered. And uh, on that journey, I assumed he was far from God. The truth is, behind the social bravado, he would say now he was actually very empty. And so to cut a long story short, at the end of university, I had the privilege of kneeling down with Steve as he, with tears in his eyes, gave his life to Jesus Christ. And I led my best friend in a prayer to become not just a friend, but in that moment, you actually become brothers in Christ. It's a game changer, and it's an amazing privilege To lead someone to Jesus. And now when we climb mountains to pray together on the top, on the summits and know the Lord together. This is what talking Jesus is all about. It's a conversation. It's about prayer. And ultimately it's about leading people to the life-changing experience of knowing Jesus. That's your tapas dinner, right? Who can talk Jesus? Everyone. Why must we talk Jesus now and forever? It's crucial. And how can we talk Jesus? Look and listen, and lead people to Jesus. That's your tapas dinner, but how about we finish with a round of golf? Um, I'm not joking, actually. Um, But I want to wrap this Talking Jesus series up with a little illustration that I found helpful for uh, understanding the three main things that I'd like you to take home, and hopefully the golf will help us. First thing about golf, I am no expert, as you're about to witness, but three things I know about golf. Number one, you've got to set yourself a target. When you're hitting the ball, you've know, you got to know what you're aiming for, right? In my case, the pastoral team on the front row will do nicely. But know what your target is. What are you aiming for? I just want to reassure you, actually, this is a plastic ball. No one's going to die. But uh, know, know what your target is. When it comes to talking Jesus, can I ask you, who are you praying for? Who are, who are those five people that you are praying on a daily basis for? Know, know who, you, who you're... Who you're um, really praying for, and who you're investing in. Who are the friends that you're really pushing through uh, in friendship with? Firstly, you've got to have a target. Secondly, when it comes to golf, you've got to let the club do the work, And when it comes to talking Jesus, we've got to let God ultimately do the work. There's nothing worse when it comes to golf than sort of getting it in your mind that you now have to hit it really hard. If you start to think about the fact that you've got to whack it, you sort of force the shot, and nothing good comes out of that, as I've experienced many times, right? If you force it, you mess it up. You've got to let the club do the work. When it comes to talking Jesus, there's nothing worse than forcing it. That doesn't do any good. Don't coerce and pressurize and take on as if it's your personal responsibility. No, no, no. It's God that saves people. Let the club do the work. Let the Holy Spirit come through the conversations. It's he that changes lives. And that means we can relax and be ourselves. There's nothing better than a Christian just being themselves and talking Jesus. That's natural and that works. Have a target. Let the club do the work. And then... Finally, when it comes to playing golf, you've got to follow through. It's not just how you start the shot, it's the follow through that matters. You've got to come right through the shot to hit a good one. And when it comes to talking Jesus, today we've been emphasizing you've got to go on talking Jesus. It's not just that we start, we've got to follow through. Like George Muller in prayer, follow through. Talking Jesus is about seeing it through to a place where people cross the line. Now, when you bring all of those three together, you have yourself a target. The the fairway uh, will do nicely. You have yourself a target. You let the club do the work, and you follow through. Oh! (laughs) Oh! We can see some great things happen talking Jesus. I think that was meant to be the point. (laughs)